Good morning. Welcome to all those joining us for Likutei Halachas. Yoredei Chelik Sheni, Hilchas Kilei Begodim, Halacha Dalit, Paragraph Hey. We dedicate the learning today, Le'ilu Nishmas, Rabbi Yitzchok, Rabbi Eliezer, whose yard site is today on the 22nd of Shvat, and Le'ilu Nishmas, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Nasan Yaakov, Yantafradl, Bas Rabbi Shoharyeh, Harini Kaporas Mishkovam, and for a complete Aliyah's Neshama for all those that need it, and a complete Rafur Shalema for all those that need it, including Yosef ben Sivya Yehudis, Menachem and Rishabasha, Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Rochel Basgalia, Noinechama Basgalia, Benyamin Yitzchak ben Liba Margaret, Shenateba Bas Miriam, Levi Elchana ben Yael, Chaya Shufia Shishana Basara, Daniel Baruch ben Sora, Avi Vachaya bas Estamindel, David Yishayo ben Sora, Avi Gael Bracha bas Shirat Voira, David Leib ben Shena, Avram David ben Chana, Sorigitl bas Chanariva, Idis bas Miriam Brindel, Michal Sora bas Hadassah, Gitaganendel bas Sipoira, Lebalea bas Sipoira, Avivelana bas Hispahendel, Sarocha bas Hispahendel, Yehudis Ruchama bas Chavarus, Sor Yehudis bas Sora, David ben Behia, Shendel bas Lea, Yaakov Yeshua ben Freindel Rechel, Shemar Eliezer ben Rachel, Shloimoi ben Rivka Sprinza, Velvel ben Pesia, Shoshana Na'avavas Shoshana B'Sir Shachel Yisrael We're continuing the discussion about Kilayim in clothing Paragraph Hey V'yalkein B'Tzitzis U'Bigdei Kahuna Mutter Kilayim Based on what we've been learning till now we'll understand why within the performance of a mitzvah like wearing tzitzis or when the Koyin is wearing the special garments that he wears when doing the Avod in the Besamikdosh, there, in those garments, Kilayim is permissible. Ki migoidel kedushas elu habigotem shel tzitzis ubigdei kuhuna, ein koyach lahapishtem lahastiru lahalem oyer hatzadik. Because of the holiness of these garments, the, the linen, the pishtim, which we said represents simsum, which represents that concept of hiding the light, does not have the ability to hide the light of the tzaddik. Adara, but just the opposite. Nizdakech bezikuch godol menu daiko kelim nifloem lekabel al yodom oyr hagodol tzaddik. But rather, in, in the context of these things, that tzitzis and the garments of the kuhuna, the linen works to help purify the person that's wearing it to the point where the linen is what helps generate kalim, vessels, into which to receive the great light of the tzaddik. As we explained earlier, that the tzemer, the wool, represented the, the light, the, tzit, the pishtan, the pishtem or pishtan, the linen represented the symptom of the vessels in which the light is contained. As we explained earlier, that a person who, who does the proper, proper things, 
For that person, the obstacles are a tremendous benefit for them. It's specifically because the person has obstacles and they deal with them the right way, that's what gives the person vessels in which to receive the incredible light which they would not have been able to receive and benefit from were it not for those obstacles, were it not for creating those vessels. Because the, the tzitzis in general represents the light of the tzaddik, which is the main light of the eyes. Bechinas, as we say in the parish of tzitzis, you will see the tzitzis, and you'll remember the, the, the observance of the whole Torah. Because the word tzitzis itself actually means to look, to look carefully. Bechinas, as it says in Shir Shirim, meitzitz min hacharakim. He looks through the curtains. So we see the term tzitzis is related especially to the eyes. And this is why we recite the Pasuk before we wrap ourselves in the tzitzis. Hashem Eloikai Godalto Ma'oid Oite Oyer Kasalma. Hashem, you are very great. You spread out the light like a garment. Ki Iker Oyer Hoelion Shorash Mizborov at Sadik Matoiro Nimsha Halide Levushin Daika. Because the real high level light of Hashem and the Tzadikim and the Torah comes to us only through garments. Hashem spreads the light like a garment. And this is what the mitzvah tzitzis is all about, which is the first physical, tangible mitzvah that we do every day. Because tzitzis is attached to our clothing. And the tzitzis are a tikkun for all of the clothing that we wear. Tzitzis is what purifies and perfects all of the garments that they shouldn't hide the light in a manner that we can't benefit from the light. Adarabah, just the opposite. It's through those garments that we'll be able to receive the light in a good, healthy way. These are becoming a little bit antiquated, but once upon a time, in ancient history, they used to have frosted light bulbs where the, the glass surrounding the light inside was frosted in order to, that, that you shouldn't be looking at the actual light itself, but rather by looking at the frosted outside, by benefiting from that, you're getting a good, healthy light. Not that it's too bright and, and, and too limited. That's what made the light more usable. V'chein isa b'medrish, and we find also in the medrish, that the main light that served the world during the seven days of creation came from the garments of Hashem. 
Kimuva Medrash Rabbah, as we find in Medrash Rabbah, towards the beginning of Bereshis, chapter 3, paragraph 4, Sheshoal Rabbi Shimon ben Yehoid Sadok es Rabbi Shmuel bar Nachmeni. This rabbi is the other rabbi, Mehecha Nivrei Sa'ira. How, how and from where was light created? Omar Loi, he answered him, Malameid Shenis Atev Bohakurish Borhu Kisalma. We, we, we know that Kaviochel Hashem wrapped himself <coughs> like one wraps oneself in a garment. And the beauty of Hashem shone from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Omar Loi, so the other rabbi said to him, Belchisha? This was all. This this is done. Was done in silence. Like nobody knows about this. Omarloi mikre molehu. No, he told him it's a it's a clear pasuk in the Torah. Oiter oyer kasalma. Hashem shines forth the light like a garment, like a cloak. Hainu kanal. This is exactly what we said earlier. Sheikar ho'oyer nimshach alidei bechinas levushim. That our usage of light and our benefit of light is specifically through garments. And this again is why we say before wrapping ourselves in the talus in the morning, Hashem Aloikai Godalto Mo'oid. Hainu, Ki Ato Hashem Godalto Mo'oid. You Hashem are very great. And because you are so incredibly great, it would be impossible for us to be able to handle your incredible, awesome light. However, with your great kindness, you constricted and you cloaked the light in order that we should be able to receive it and benefit from it. And this is why the Pasuk continues, Hashem, you cloaked yourself in beauty. This is telling us that Hashem cloaked with all kinds of cloaks and coverings His beauty, His real great light. In order that we should be able to receive it. And with your great kindness, Hashem, you send us the light in a good, healthy, measured, calculated way based on the garments, what the garments can handle. In order that the light shouldn't be too great and too powerful for the garments, for the vessels. Which could cause a shattering of the vessels. Kayadua, as is known in Sifre Kabbalah. Hashem spreads the light like a garment, like the garment. Based on the strength of the garment, that's how much light Hashem sends into it. And the Pasuk continues, Hashem spreads the heavens like a curtain. 
Shomayim hu bechinas oyer hatzadik. The term Shomayim refers to the light of the tzadik, shenikro Shomayim, who is called Shomayim. Rabbi Nezal brings this in a few places in Likud Imran. Al shem shezoicha leyira v'ahavo b'shleimus. Because the tzaddik is the one who achieves the most basic, basic components of, of Judaism, which are respect and love, fear and love. The tzaddik is the one who has those on the highest level. Shomayim, eish umayim. The word shomayim refers to fire and water. Kemuva b'mokamacher. As Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in other places. And this is why it says Hashem spreads the heavens like a curtain. This is the same message, sort of, that we had in the first part of the Pasuk. That Hashem spreads and allows the light of the tzaddik to permeate the world like a curtain, like the curtain. A curtain usually is something that brings a separation, causes a separation. It's like an obstacle in a sense, a curtain in front of something. And as we learned earlier, it's the barriers and the obstacles that give us the ability to receive the light of the tzaddik properly in a healthy way. That's what generates the vessels into which we can receive the light of the tzaddik. And based on the curtains and the, the walls, the, which are the garments, Based on that, Hashem spreads and shines the light of the tzaddik, who is called Shemayim. Would appear a wall and a uh, curtain. The light doesn't go through, but a sheer, the light would go through. Is it more like a sheer? Or is you mean really sheer, S-H-E-E-R? Like a sheer, you put it in front of your window, and it kind of filters the light. Exactly. That's, that's what the term curtain and wall means here. It means it's not something that's intended to block out the light completely. We learned earlier, that's only for the Rishoim, the people who are really bad. For them, these obstacles and these things serve to keep them out because Hashem wants them to stay out. But for people who are not really opposed to the tzaddik and not the worst, worst type of Rishoim, these curtains serve to temper the light, you know, to, to help us be able to use the light in a healthy way. We hope that the fact that we're learning about this now, we're learning about light and the eyes and, 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 uh, and the, 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 this, what we're learning about should be a refuah for all those that need a refuah for the eyes. Baruch and begashmias. And it's regarding what we're learning about here that the whole test of a person, the whole free choice of a person is related to. Because Hashem is really righteous in everything He does. And all of the ways of Hashem are kindness and truth. 
And Hashem created everything with incredible wisdom so that human beings should have choices. Shemi said that a person who wants Yochel Alide Elu Hamechitzais Vamisochim, Lekabel Al Yodom Daiko, Oyer Hatzadik, Bebechinas Levushim. So that a person who wants, through the barriers and through the curtains and through these things, a person, this will enable the person to receive the light of the Tzadik through garments, in healthy garments. Avalimeinoi Reutze, but if a person doesn't want, then these barriers block the person's vision. They're right in front of the person's eye, like a person puts a coin or something that in front of their eye. The person can't. And the person is not able at all to be able to see the light of the tzaddik. And that's also good. Why is it good? Because we learned before that if this person who doesn't have any vessels, if this person will see the light of the tzaddik, it'll blind him. So everything is perfect. Everything is organized in a way that those that are looking for the right thing will get the right thing in a good, healthy way. Those that are not looking for the right thing at all will not get it. Because were they to get it without looking properly, it would it cause more harm than benefit. Baruch Hashem. Any questions? With this, we complete the topic of Kilayim. We had Kilay Behema, we had Kilay Begodim. <coughs> this is the end of this topic. Rab Nosan Zalayetz, Halacha Hey, the fifth discussion on this topic, was mentioned earlier in Hilchas Arla, Halacha Beis. There, Rav Zal had also spoken about the topic of Kilayim. Now we move on to a new topic, Hilchois Pidyoin Bechoyer. Question in the chat, Rav Zal says that obstacles in general are sent in order to increase our desire. But what can a person do if their natural tendency is to get discouraged in the face of obstacles? The answer is, the person has to change their natural tendency. A person has to pray to Hashem. This is the real point here. Rav Zal said here, he said, If a person wants the right thing, they'll get X. And if a person doesn't want, they'll get why. What do I do if I, I don't have that desire? The answer is, I pray for that desire. That's one of the most important things that a person needs to daven for. Hashem, help me want the right things and help me not want the things that are not good for me, the things that are harmful to me. That's one of the most important things that a person wants to pray for. Because if a person wants the right thing, they're going to get it. The, the, the Mishnah promises, Ein dovar the Mishnah, that there is nothing that stands in the way of desire, willpower. When a human being really wants something, it'll happen. They'll succeed. They'll get it. So, so what do I do if I don't, I, I don't have that desire? I don't have enough of it. 
The answer is, I beg Hashem, give me Ratzon. And we find this in Likutei Tfilois, we find Rabbein Zal speaking about this in Likutei Imran, and in Likutei Tfilois, in a number of places, Rabbein Zal prays for this, that I should be Zoycha, I and my wife and children, we should have the right to Ritzainois. We should want what's good for us, and we should not want what's harmful for us. Any other questions? What, ha- what happens if you uh, don't want even that much? In other words, what you're saying is you have to reach a point where you want it enough to dominate before, but let's say you're so uh, ambivalent that you're not even able to get to that point. Very you're not able to dominate to the point that you are going to get it. Very good question. Very valid question. And the answer is... Hashem, please help me want to want. And this isn't something that I'm saying. Rabbein Nassau and Rabbein Nassau write about this. That that's something a person... You're right, there are two levels. There's a level where a person sort of wants the right thing, but they also want bad things. And for that person, it's enough for them to say, Hashem, please help me want what's good and not want. What if a person, like you said, is not there? They're spiritually dead or close to dead. I don't want any, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the game. I'm not. And the answer is then a person has to say, Hashem, please help me want to want. Please help me want to, to desire what's good for me. And I should want, that, that's another level. Another level, and it's extremely important for all of us. That I should want to want what's good for me. Okay. Yes. Is there a concept of in Minyan And so I don't need to want to want. I, I just I just want. In other words, I, if if there's nothing stopping me from wanting, because in Minyan so so I should just decide to want, isn't it? Like The answer is it depends on where the person is at. We're talking about there's a lot. People are in different places spiritually. You know. One person, you can say that to him. Come on, do it! And one person isn't, isn't there at all. They're not in a place where you can tell them do it. They're, they're in a place where they, they're, they're totally asleep or, you know, as, as close to And therefore, you need, that person has to be made aware that there is such a thing as desire. There is such a thing. And if you're not feeling it now, and you're not, and I know you're not, so you need to ask for that. You need to ask Hashem, please turn me on. Here again, in a car, there's two steps. First, you have this person gets into a car. There's a gas pedal and there's a and there's a brake. What's the big deal? Just step on the gas. Step on the gas. Nothing happens. Why? Because you didn't turn on the car. First, you got to turn on the car. You turn on the car and not, it's not moving. But but it's a very critical step. And what person has to be turned on. That's step number one. We have to recognize whether the person's on or off. And when the person's off, we have to know that, and we have to know what that person needs. That person needs a starter. That person needs to, to be told that there is, you should know that there is such a thing called desire. You don't have it right now, but there is such a thing. And when a person has a desire, nothing in the world can stop them. So what do I do? Pray for desire. Pray that you should want to want the right things. And you're going to see, you'll be surprised at what you're capable of doing, what you're capable of accomplishing. Question? 
Is want similar to or um, a synonym of choice or decision? Don't I want to choose to wake up to pray about the king? I could want to pray, but I choose to do it. So I think that's the... Once the desire is there, once the desire, depending on if the desire is strong enough, a person's going to choose, make the, the right, they're going to choose to do it. If the desire is, is not strong enough, they're looking at it and they're, they're not ready to move on it. They're not ready to act on it, that kind of thing. Of course I want, but, uh, but uh, I'm not there, I'm not there to, to make it happen yet. The laws regarding redeeming a firstborn son. It's, it's brought in the writings of the Arizal. The major benefit and, and the, the advantage, the advantage of a firstborn. Beside, it's based on the secret of what the Gemara says. A woman doesn't really, really connect deeply other than to the one who made her into a vessel. And, and the, the Gemara says there also a, person, a woman doesn't become pregnant from the first relations, usually, with her husband. Because the first time that a, a man and woman are together, that's when the man makes her into a vessel. In which afterwards she can receive the female waters, which play a very important role in creating the child, a, a child that's going to be born. The Chol Habonim Shemoyledes, and all these children that she's going to give birth, Kula Mebechinas Zois Hakli, all of them receive from that vessel that was originally created by the first time. The Habchora Shehu Harishain Mekabel Hoiker Mebechinas Zois Hakli, the firstborn male child to come out is the one that receives the most of that vessel that was created, that when, when the husband and wife were together the first time. Vehu kolul mikulam. And he is actually a composite of all the children, of all the subsequent children. Alkain chayovim bechvoidoi. And that's why the Arizal says it's important for all the children to respect their older, the older brother, the bechoyer. I and Shem take a look over there in the Eitz Chaim, Shar Lametes, Drush Zayim, where the Arizal speaks about this. This is a deep concept. Rav Zal says, V'hanira la'anis daiti. It seems to me, in my humble opinion, based on my limited knowledge, Rav Zal doesn't use this, the wording often. He's, he's giving us to understand here that this is something very deep, and now let me see if I can relate to it for us. That what the Arizal is saying 
is related to what Rabbi Nassau writes in chapter 69 in Likut Imran, where he speaks about what happens when a person steals from somebody else. The Gemara says a person who steals money from someone is stealing their wife and kids, chas v'shalom. V'aklal, to summarize what Rabbi Nassau says there in chapter 69, shekol hanefoshois shoroshon bashirus, all souls are rooted in the throne of Hashem, and the throne of Hashem is also the, the source of wealth. And the woman who is all nefesh, the term nefesh, there are different words used to refer to soul. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. The woman is generally referred to as nefesh, which is the first one of these, these spiritual categories. The woman who is all nefesh, kol shleimusa hu ashirus. What really completes her is wealth. kesef kiddushin. And this is why when a man is marrying a woman, he has to give her money or a ring, something worth money. She'al yodoi mashlemoisa. That's what brings the woman to a certain level of completion that she needs in order to produce children, in order... And therefore, it's through this money or this ring that she becomes acquired to her husband. Afterwards, he gives her the marriage contract, which is the ksuba, shehi shleimus nafsha, which again is part of completing her nefesh, and the husband, this is an ongoing process, even after they get married. Throughout their marriage, the husband is trying to complete the woman through wealth and parnosa that he gives her, by him being the provider. I and Shem take a look over there in chapter 69 in the Kutimran, where Rabbi Nezal expounds on this. And this wealth is the, the source of the soul of the children that she's going to produce. And all the children that she's going to produce are attached to, are connected to the money which is what completes the soul of, the, of their mother, of the woman. Rav Nosanzal now clarifies. Hainu, what this is telling us is, ki betchilo lo shum shleimus. In the beginning, at first, the woman is incomplete. V'yachar kach maschil hashlimo alidea kesef kiddushin shehu shleimus nafsho. Step one is her husband tries to start shining light into her and to complete her by giving her the money or something of, of monetary value as kiddushin. That's stage one of completing her nefesh. However, that's just a blast of light. That's just shining a light upon her temporarily. However, Based on that action alone, she is not yet complete and acquired to him. Until they're under the chuppah. 
ועיקר החופה הוא הייחוד כדאיסא בפייסקין. And this is a very, very important point, that the main completion of the chuppah and the most important part of the chuppah is, is when the couple are alone together. Now, the, as is brought in the Paiskim, the, the custom of many, the way this is done is after what we call the chuppah is completed, the, the husband and wife go into a private room for a certain amount of time where the door is locked and nobody else is in there. They have to be 100% alone in privacy. And that's what completes the chuppah. That's what really completes the connection between them. And then the first time the husband and wife are together, he gives her everything that he has. And he shines into her the five gevurais. This is a term that's used throughout Sifrei Kabbalah. We know that there are ten spherois, that there are ten basic attributes of Hashem, and those ten are basically in two columns, right and left, chesed and gvura. So the terminology that's used is chamisha gvurois, chamisha chasodim. So the husband shines into the wife the five gevurois, shehem bechinas ashirus, which are associated with wealth, with money, as the Pasuk says, From the north, gold comes from the north, which is the left side. We always picture ourselves facing east. As Rabbi Nezal elaborates on this there in chapter 69, Because that's when she's really being completed. Which is through the wealth. And this is why under the chuppah is when the husband is obligated. He obligates himself to take on the responsibilities of the ksuba. That I will give her, I will provide for her clothing, food, everything, everything. And if chas v'shalom we set, decide to separate, I'll give her X, Y, Z. Ki arusa ksuba. Because before a woman has gone under the, under the chuppah, before this process has been completed, she doesn't have a ksuba. And the main obligation of the ksuba is for the union, the, the actual union between the wife, as is found in Shulchan Aruch, Ayin Shom, in order for them to be allowed to be together that first time. Because that's when he completes her soul through the wealth. The, the money is important part of it. And this is the concept of the ksuba, which is a financial document. And based on this, we'll understand also why the Gemara tells us that the base amount for Iksuba is 200 zuz. A husband is allowed to add to that, but that's the base. Bibchinas, as the Mishnah says in Peah, mi sheyesh zuz, lo That once a person has 200 zuz, they are not allowed to receive charity. They are no longer a charitable case. 
שעל ידי הכסובה של מסיים זוז, הוא מלוי סמי בחינס אניוס ודלוס שאוי סמי קוידם, כידוע, because through this ksuba, which is at least 200 zuz, the husband elevates this woman from the status of poverty, poor, which she was previously, and he completes her into, he brings her into wealth. Because the Mishnah defines a person who has 200 zuz is no longer poor. And this also explains why the main obligation for Iksuba only applies to a girl who was never married yet, to a Besula. The rabbis insisted that even for an Almona there's Iksuba of a hundred Zuz. And therefore, so too, if a man takes a woman by force, rape, or seduction, he has to give her money. He, there's a penalty, a financial penalty, of 50 shkolim. And it's from there that the rabbis derive the whole concept of ksuba. Because the money it represented in the ksuba represents the, the wealth, the wealth that turns the woman into a, a keli. And this is the concept of the 50 shkolim of the ksuba. Because before the woman is completed through her husband, when she is in a state of poverty, she is referred to as tzedek. Kayadua, as is known in Sifrei Kabbalah, that the Malchus, the woman represents the sphere of Malchus, the Shechina. When it's incomplete, it's called Tzedek. When it's completed, it's called Tzedakah, as we're going to see. Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in a few places in Likud Imran. The Isa B'divrei Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nezal writes in chapter 67, She'oisiois Tzedek Heimoyren Alzeh that the letters of the word tzedek, the tzedek, the dalet, and kuf, imply this. They imply this status of being incomplete. Ki hatzadik hu yud nun. The way a tzedek is written in a Sefer Torah, it's a nun with a yud, but the yud is backwards. The yud is, is not the way it's normally formed. The yud is going in the other direction, according to the Arizal. The Yud is turned away, has its back to the Nun. The Nun represents Malchus. As Rabbi Nezal brings in chapter 1 of Mikutimran, prayed for his son Shlomo Melech that his kingdom should be successful. So he said, may his name, may his glory outshine the sun. And the term outshine is yinoin, the yud and the nun. The nun, the letter nun represents malchus. The yud is the chachma shining into the malchus, like Rabbi Nezal writes in chapter 1 of the Kutiran. The hadalid, the letter dalid, hainushi bedalis vanis, represents the malchus, the woman in a state of being poor. Dal means poor. 
v'hakuf and the letter kuf v'chulu. <coughs> Rabbein Zal explains that also. And now in brackets they put into that, hainu kishah malchus v'hakovoid ozlo v'nidaldalo. When the malchus, the kovoid, is, is going down, when it's chasvshom falling and in a fallen state or going down or it's poor, he kekoif bivnei odon. It's like an ape. It's like an ape compared to a human being. A human being is the real form of intelligence. An ape is similar to human being, but it's not. But it's not. <clears throat> so when the Malchus is in a fallen state, we refer to it by the letter Kuf. It's like Kuf. For example, the Malchus of the Sitrachra. That's not Malchus, that's garbage. But, but no, look at it. They have royal palaces and everything right. It's an ape. It's mimicking the Malchus of Kedusha. Dahainu shenis arech regel venase kuf. Rabbeinazal explains, I believe, from the Sifrei Kabbalah, that what is the letter kuf? It starts out as a hay. And when you schlep, when you pull down that leg, that little leg of the hay, which is the most vulnerable part of it, when you pull it down, when it goes down, down into the sitrachra, it forms the letter kuf. That's the letter kuf. So again, the word tzedek, all three letters represent the malchus in a fallen state. So the woman, before, when she's incomplete, she's bechinas tzedek. And afterwards, when her husband completes her, and he shines into her both the chesed and gvura before he spoke only about the chamisha gvuras. Now he shines into the chesed and gvura, shehem bechinas hey, which are represented by the letter hey, azai nasis mi dalid hey. Then he converts the dalid into a hey, venasis mi tzedek tztaka. And he changes the tzedek into tztaka, putting that hey in there which represents the Malchus in a complete state, in a healthy state. It's also the number five. Exactly. He's, he's going to come to Vezebechinas Hanun Shkolem Shema Kabelasata, and that's the concept of the 50 shekel that she receives now. Why do we have uh, such a bad rap on the letter Nun? Right? You see, one of the, one of the uh, Tehillims, I think, Yes, that the nun represents nefila. In Ashrei, the letter nun is missing. It has the holy Hebrew alphabet except the letter nun because the word nun is the first letter of the word nefila, to fall. And, and I get it, but the nun in the, uh, in the menorah, in that uh, teili, they had a vav next to it. Why has it got such a bad rap? It's, it's, <laughs> such an important, uh, it's got such an important connotation like in, in this case. It, it's not a bad Why rap. focus on Nefilah? Why not focus on Mahud? You, you're right. You're right. However, and, and the, the Gemara does say, but don't worry, we, we did put the Nun in there afterwards, in Somech Hashem Lechol Hanoflim, that the Samach heals the Nun. You know, there's, there's a lot, this is a, a lengthy topic in Sforim that there's a lot about this nun representing the, the, the four. And in nun, there are two nuns, don't forget. There's a nun kfufa, it's called, a bent-over nun, and there's a nun pshuta, the, the end of nun, when the nun comes at the end of a word where it's straight. And it's brought that the word teku, we have the word teku means unresolved, unresolved. 
a, a whole discussion in the Gemara, and what's the final wording? We don't know. We don't know. Teku. And then the Nun, when you add the Nun to it, it becomes Tikun. Tikun means resolved, solution, perfect. Rabbeinazal brings there that we have the word Kinois. Kinois is lamentations. Kinois is what we say on Tishabov. Kinois is the, the worst. It's the worst of the worst, meaning, you know, the, the Besamikdash was destroyed, millions of Jews were murdered, you know, we say Kinois, lamentations. Rabbeinazal says that when we, when we do tshuva and everything, from Kinois becomes Tikkun. The nun, what's the change? It's all the same letters. Just in Kinois, the nun is bent over. In Tikkun, the nun is straight. So it seems that this nun represents both the fallen state and the Tikkun, you know, the, the perfected state. The questions bring out things. I, when you asked the question at first, I, I wasn't sure of what to answer. As, as, as it's coming out, Hashem sends thoughts that, that, give, that provide answers. Question. In that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbein Zal says that the whole nefesh ruach neshama of a woman is on the level of the nefesh of her husband. How do we understand that? In our times, at least, it's hard to see that the women are spiritually inferior to their husbands to such an extent. Uh oh! <coughs> women are not inferior. The, the, the Sifre Kabbalah show that the woman is a moving target. The woman is something which at certain times is beneath her husband, and she's supposed to be beneath. There's a pasuk v'hu yimshal bach, that he will rule over you. And in terms of halacha, one of the super, super sins that a, a husband and wife can do is chashom if there's a reverse, if the woman is on top and the husband is on bottom. That's super treif. So there's that concept, and there's also a concept of eshes chayil ateres balo. The woman of valor is the crown on her husband's head. The Tikkun Ezer shows how you have the letters Vav, you have the letter Vav and Yud, those two letters. Or you, and you have the sound, the U sound, the U vowel in Hebrew, in, in Lush and Kodesh, which can be shown two ways. You can have a kubutz, which is three dots on a diagonal flow. That's an U sound. And you have what's called a shuruk, or malupum, which is a vav with a dot inside of it. That vav with a dot inside of it is also the u sound. And the tikkun ezer has incredible, incredible secrets about that, showing how the dot represents the woman. The dot represents the woman who is referred to as a nekuda. Anakuda. We know the moon, when it first starts out, starts out as a tiny drop of light, like a dot in a sense. And then as the month goes on, till the 15th of the month, it becomes larger and larger and larger. So the woman, the malchus, the shekhinah, is compared to a dot, a nekuda. And again, there are psukim that the brings to show this, that that's what, that's what the shekhinah, the malchus, the woman, is represented by that dot. The man is represented by the letter Vav, the six spheroids of Chesed, Gvura, Teferis, Netzach, that's the man. And the Tikkun shows that these two can take on three positions. The dot can be under the Vav, the dot can be side by side with the Vav, 
and the dot can be on top of the vav, the oi sound, which is again eishes chayil ateres bala. The woman of valor is the crown on her husband's head. Both men and women are extremely important. Both of them have extremely important roles. When we confuse them, when those roles get confused, when a man wants to behave like a woman, or chasvashon, a woman wants to behave like a man, then there's catastrophe, then there's holocaust, then there's major destruction, major destruction. But both the men, the man and the woman, can move, can move around. And by the woman, it's even much more prevalent. Throughout the Sifrei Kabbalah, it's all about the Malchus. The main focus is the Malchus and elevating the Malchus. That's what everything is all about. The first story in Sipurim Isis <coughs> begins, Rabbi Nezal says there was a king who had six sons and one daughter, and the daughter was the, he loved the daughter, and he spent tremendous time and pleasure with the daughter. The daughter was the main thing. And the whole story is about the lost princess, princess, about the daughter getting lost, and it's all about finding the daughter and bringing her back, restoring her to her place. So if a person learns Torah properly, especially Sifrei Kabbalah, Sifrei Hasidus, they get a healthy understanding of the woman's role, the man's role, and how incredibly important and special all of them are. Everyone is. Question in the chat. If by the first intimacy, that's when is formed the, the Maya Nukve, the female waters, and the children are influenced by that, what happens if she remarries? <clears throat> the answer is, study the writings of the Arizal. When I study it, I'll have more answers than I have right now. <clears throat> the Arizal obviously goes into all of this in depth and in detail. Rav is giving us what we need for now. You know. But all questions have answers. All questions have answers. And based on what we're learning now, we'll understand the 50 shkolim which the woman receives at that point in the beginning of the marriage. Because now she is being completed. And the woman is the nun, as we said before. In the word tzedek, the tzedek, the letter tzedek was a nun and a yud. <coughs> At first, she was incomplete. Because the, the Yud had its back to the Nun. The way Tzadik is written according to the Arizal in a Sefer Torah, the, the, the Tzadik is a Nun with the Yud, and the Yud has its back to the Nun instead of the normal way a Yud is written. Now, in holy matrimony, when they get married, now the two are turning around to face each other, to be face to face, the husband and wife. And she receives the five chasodim and gevurois. And we know each one of those spheroids within the zerampin is a ten. It's a tens unit. That's how we get this number 50. And now she becomes complete in all of her ways. 
כי נשלמס בבחינס נון, שבחינס מלכוס כנראה, שבקומס קומפלידד, עם האספקט אוף נון, which is the מלכוס, וזה בחינס חמישים שקולים, and this is the number 50 שקולים, שהם מוסאים זוז, which is 200 זוז, שהם הפך מנעניוס, which is the opposite of poverty, the opposite of poor. ואזי כשיש לו שלימוס, אזי היא ראויה להוליד. And now when she is complete, she's ready to be able to produce children. כי כבר קיבלו שוירש הנפושי של הבונן, she's already received the roots, the source of children, שהיא עשירוס, which is wealth. ואוז יכולו לקבל נפשוי סבונן ולהוליד אוסון. Now she's ready to receive the souls of children, and to give birth to them, to produce them. So note, there's the woman, there's the money, and the children. There's a chain there. And the money is a critical part of the, of the, the connection of the children to their mother, to the father. And then subsequently, all the children that are born, all of them receive from that Kaili, that vessel, Hainu Bechinas Ho'ashirus, the wealth, Shehu Shoyresh Nafsham, which is the source, the roots of their soul. Vahabachor, Noitel Chelek Baroish, Keneget Kulam. And the firstborn male child receives first, and he receives a portion comparable to all the others. All the others. Nimza, שמיילס הבכור הוא שיש לו חלק גודל בו העשירוס יוסם היחוב. So we see that the, 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 what makes the בכור special is that he has a larger portion in the wealth than his brothers. ואיין שם במיימר הנעל, take a look over there in chapter 69 in Likud Imran, בחינס ירושה, where Rabbein Azal speaks about all of this and the topic of Yerusha inheritance, איין שם. The Vilna Gon says the word Bechoyer, Bez is two, Chof is two, Resh is two, if you drop the zeros, showing that the Bechoyer is double, Pishnaim, he gets a double portion. The, the, the rabbis, the later rabbis came along and when they saw the problems in Sh- among families, that families got into big, 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 big trouble because people who are not 100% learned They hear this and they can't handle it. What are you, uh, there's no way I'm going to... We're all equal. All, we're all children. We all deserve an equal portion. The rabbis advised us that a parent, when a parent passes away, when a parent writes a will, they should, cons- they should write specifically, all the children get an equal portion. Even if there is a bechor, leman hashoim, for the sake of peace. That that's an overriding factor in this case to keep the peace. Now the question is, what authority do the rabbis have to do that? You know, if the Torah says, I get 200, you're going to tell me I only get 100. Well, I don't care. I'm not interested in your piece, pieces, you know. The answer is, there's a, a very important, powerful rule in the Gemara, Hefker, Bezden, Hefker, that Hashem has given the rabbis the authority to say, this is your money. Now it's not. Now it's yours. Now it's not. 
The rabbis have the authority to do that. They have the authority, again, based on Torah, not based on that they're going to pocket the money. Based on Torah, they have the authority to say, this money, he's holding on to it. And possession is 99% of the law. Right? There are exceptions to that. And if Bezin decides that he's holding on to it illegally, his possession means nothing. They'll take it out of his possession and give it to the one who, who they, they believe really is the, the real owner of the money. Any questions? Morning, well, Rav. Quick question regarding money. Can the Rav just explain? Um, it says, we learned over here that when someone steals money from you, let's say you're a contractor and we come to fix your toilet and the Balabas says, who's not exactly holding by the shear or not holding the claw, he says, I'm only paying you a third of the cost and and we know it's a 200 shekel call to fix the toilet. Can the Rav just tell us um, what's an akshava? I mean, a friend of mine said, just pack up and say, you know, is that what you want? You know, go talk to Hashem. And can the Rav just explain, like, if you were the contractor, what you what the Rav would have in mind? I, I mean, it's all from Hashem, but it, it, it's extremely painful when, when you need that 150 shekel to pay for other expenses. <laughs> And it was a 200 shekel call and he gave you 50 because he's a jerk. <clears throat> the ends, the ends, please, please stick to healthy language. <laughs> when, 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 when it comes to money matters, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. We're learning Yoridea now and we're coming close to the end of Yoridea. After Yoridea, we're going to have Evanoezer and we're going to have Choyesh Mishpat. There's about a thousand pages, one thousand pages of Likuti Alochis on Choshen Pishpot. Two volumes, each volume approximately 500 pages. Money is a very, very important item, a very holy item when it's being used properly, etc. And there's a Torah, there's a Shulchan Aruch that says, what's my money, what's not my money, so that normally a person, uh, you know, the, the, this, the norm is, that if something is technically mine, I have to make sure that, that it's in my pocket, not in somebody else's pocket. Somebody borrows money from me and they forget to give it back. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to go over, you know, and, and say, hey, you remember you borrowed money? You know, when you, when you, but a but, uh, person has to go out of their comfort zone because money is a very, very important item. There are sometimes extenuating circumstances and extenuating reasons for a person to be mavata, for a person to say, keep the change, keep, you know, keep it, that kind of thing. Sometimes a person can have an intention to be able to get more business. Sometimes in business it's smart to get your foot into the door, even though you know <coughs> that on a, on a first transaction you're not making any money or you're even losing money, but you have a customer. And so, you know, so that there, are, there are a number of factors that go into this, but factor number one is that, that Judaism and life is not hefker. It's not a free-for-all, that a person can just choose not to pay. A person hires a worker, and, and the worker says he hires a financial advisor, and the financial advisor also has a wife and kids and a house and bills to pay and everything. And a person can't say, well, no, no, he's helping a Jew. He's helping a Jew. He's doing a mitzvah, and he probably doesn't really need the money. It's a, that doesn't work in authentic Judaism. It doesn't work. 
there's, you know, person pays, and beyoimoi titein schoroi. He's saying, Rabbi, he's saying, I'm coming to you to fix your toilet. Yes. And I'm, I, and it comes to, I'm bargaining with you up front my fee. Yes. I'm paying, I get $200 to walk in. Yes. The guy wants to pay him 50 Yes. Take your tools and leave. <laughs> That we break what no, we no, break you agreed on a price. You agreed on you agreed on two hundred shekel. We agreed on two hundred shekel, and the toilet gets fixed, and then the, and then the guy changes his mind. I'm only so giving we'll you fifty. Oh, uh, that's one option. Right. That is one. Is that option. an option? It, it's one. Uh, you have to know when. That's why. Or we, you have to ask Tastor. Exactly. We have to learn Choshen Mishpat. We have to learn to see what Hashem prescribes. What does Hashem suggest is the right solution? Seriously. And this is, it's, but again, the In right solution. I can put a lien on the guy's house exactly. for the, the right solution is not necessarily always to turn the other cheek, to say, oh, okay, tough, I guess it's tough on me. I guess Hashem doesn't want me to have the money. That's not always the answer. Sometimes the answer is a person has to stand up for what's theirs, you know. And, and if someone stick, that's this chapter on Likut Imran is nuclear. Rabbi Nezal says when a person steals money from somebody, he's stealing that person's wife and children. It's, it's, there's, and there's a story related to that chapter on Likut Imran about one of two of Rabbi Nezal's students. One of them was very wealthy at one point in time. And he lost a lot, part, he was partners with another person, and the very wealthy one lost most of his wealth. The partner retained wealth and became wealthy. So the one who was originally wealthy borrowed a large sum of money from the other one and didn't give it back, wasn't giving it back. And the, 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 the one who had lent the money wasn't having kids, was not having any children. He was married a year, and no children. And they, they didn't know why, what? And Rabbi Nassau said this chapter in Likut Imran, and then Rabbi, and people thought that it was the fault of the husband, that the husband couldn't have children. And Rabbi Nassau told, hinted to the husband, and he told Rabbi Nassau clearly that if he will divorce her and remarry, he will have children. Sure enough, after Rabbi Nassau passed away, Rav Nassim spoke to this person at one point and said to him, I know, I heard from Rav Nassim clearly that you can have children, and not from this wife. If you divorce her, you'll be able to have children. And, but he, he didn't want to get divorced because he had a lot, a lot of money, and he knew getting divorced would mean 50% of that million dollars or 100 was going to leave him. In the end, he listened. He divorced the first wife, took a second wife, and had a baby girl from the second wife. Rav Nassanzal gave Rav Nassanzal gave him children. Every you know everything. After he divorced the first wife, that partner who had borrowed all the money and didn't pay it back married his first took took his first wife. So and and this is all part of that chapter in Likut Imran that the person the not, money. not the punishment that 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 when he didn't when he borrowed money and didn't pay it back he was taking away that person's wife he was making a connection to that person's wife a ser- serious connection and the cherry on top is that this person who Rab Nosenzal advised and helped him in such an incredible way and 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 and. Um, 
And he, this person used to give money to Rabbein Zal, and then when Rabbein Zal passed away, he also gave money to Rabbein Zal for his causes, to publish Sfarim, to build a shul. And at one point, the, the, the daughter, the daughter that was born, when the Machlekes, when there was a major nuclear war against Rabbein Zal from the Savran and everything, the daughter went to, ah, I'm sorry, leaving that apart. At one point, as this man was getting older, Rabbein Zal said to him, you know how much Rabbein Zal stressed making a will, preparing a will, that when people don't make a will, there's all kinds of terrible things that can happen among the children afterwards, and the government can take all kinds of... And Rabbein Zal said to him, make sure Hashem has blessed you with money, that you have substantial money, make sure you make a will. And Rabbein Zal said, and I'm sure you'll include us in it also, you know, in a gentle way. There's miser, there's, there's mitzvahs. Somebody heard that, his wife heard that, or the daughter, and they said, you see, it's all about money, he wants your money, he wants your money. And when the Machlaikas happened, this person joined the Machlaikas against Reb Nassenzal, which was just incredible, incredible. The daughter ended up dying. The, the, this is one of the major, major stories in Yemei HaTlois, the Sefer Yemei HaTlois, about the Machlaikas against Reb Nassenzal. But again, this issue of a person borrows money from me and doesn't pay it back, my Rebbe, Reb Michal, at a certain point in his life, ran a gemach, a loan fund, lending money out to people in the kolel. There was a standard. The standard was $500 for three months. And you would have to write, there was a shtar, you had to fill out a contract, you had to sign it, it had a date on it, the date when you're borrowing and the date when you're going to return it, and you had to have two co-signers, preferably from the kolel, so that Remichel could take three salaries. If the person didn't pay back, he could take three salaries for it. And Remichel would carry around in his pocket the sheets of those people who were supposed to pay that week, the five or 10, 15 sheets he carried around in his pocket. And he would follow it. And if the date came when the person was supposed to return the money and they didn't, they'd get a phone call from Reb Michal. Reb Michal, who, who was busy talking to Hashem, and they'd get a phone call from Reb Michal. Hello, where are... Oh, I forgot. Or, oh, I don't have it now. You don't have it. Why didn't you, why didn't you say something? And if the person did that, an X would go through that person's name. Reb Michal knew not to lend that person money anymore. And if ta- and it, whereas if a person called up before the day the money was due and said, I know I'm supposed to return the money tomorrow, I, I, I'm, I'm not forgetting at all, can you wait another week, can you wait a month, this and this, yes, the answer was 99%, yes, of course, no problem. We should be the first, There are two opinions as to what the first question that a person is asked when they come in front of the heavenly court. One of the opinions is, were your dealings with money kosher? Did you deal with money in a kosher way? We should be zeichet to learn. And the lenders and the borrowers and the contractors and the clients should all behave, should conduct ourselves according to the Torah, you know, properly. And be zeichet to see the final geula ben herab yameinu, amen v'yameinu. Oh, a question in the chat. How does money make her move from the category of poor to rich if she's financially better off than the husband? There are cases like that. Where the answer is that this is 
This is, we're, we're talking in spiritual terms, number one. It doesn't have to be literally what she has in her bank account, what he has. The norm, there's a certain norm among men and women that the norm is that the man is supposed to be the provider and the woman is supposed to be the receiver. He's, provide, he's the mashpia, she's the mekabel, she's the one. In those cases where a person marries a rich girl, you know, that there are all kinds of extenuating circumstances and different factors that come involved. But even a rich, rich girl is supposed to get married. And, she's, and the husband, in certain ways, has a role of, she is incomplete. With $30 million, she's incomplete and only becomes complete when the husband marries her in a kosher way under the chuppah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Baruch Hashem.